Hello and welcome to the Marriage Can Win Show Season 2. We are super excited that you are here with us. Can you believe it has been one year already, Eric? Time flies. 2020 now, 21. It has been, wow, it was short and sweet, but yet long for one year. <laughs> short and sweet. I mean, time went by so fast. It seemed like it's a short amount of time. Okay. We are your hosts, Eric and Dr. Sakisha Heilig, <laughs> your master relationship strategist. We are so excited about being here with you. For season two, we are going in a different direction. We're talking about the Marriage Can Win Couples Business Blueprint Edition. We've got so many hosts lined up. It is going to be amazing. But in preparation for that, we wanted to, to touch on something that I think is really, really going to be amazing. So before I forget, if you are not already connected with us on social media, make sure you connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube under Marriage Can Win. Again, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube under Marriage Can Win. Also on our podcast and almost everywhere that you can imagine, including Amazon, uh, Pandora, you just name it. Yeah, the Marriage Can Win podcast. The only thing you do is Google Marriage Can Win and you will find us. <laughs> but you know what? Tonight we were thinking about the fact that how couples go through different periods of, of transition and, and we, we've been dealing so much with, with the pandemic and the impact that it's had on couples um, recently. So we wanted to talk about something tonight. I wanted to switch it up a little bit. Let I have a question for all the listeners. When okay. it comes to relationships, are you part of the problem or are you part of the solution? Well, I hope I'm part of the problem. <laughs> you hope you're part of the I'm problem? Not... <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you, got, I have a witness. It is not just me. <laughs> I am the solution. No, you said it. You said it. Not it's the okay. problem. I still love it. Because <laughs> we, we really, really want to talk with you guys tonight. You know, when we're dealing with marriage and relationships, there are certain habits or certain patterns that we tend to to fall into over a period of time, especially when you're business when you're busy professionals, you know, your entrepreneurs, some might be mompreneurs and they're working, you know, a lot of people transition to working from home. So a lot of that can impact your day-to-day -day routine. But you know, just reaching out and talking with different therapists, there are different patterns that they notice a lot of these couples were were um, falling into. And we wanted to pose that question to you. Are you guys, are you part of being part of the problem or part of the solution? And the reason I'm asking that is that oftentimes in relationships, you're pointing the finger at your spouse or your significant other so frequently, you, you see that one finger pointing at them, but you don't see those other three pointing back at you, if that makes sense. You know what? I think majority of the people who say that, <clears throat> they don't say that they're part. They say they are the problem. And that's why they don't realize that their fingers are pointing back to themselves. Well, they're calling other people <clears throat> the problem. I, exactly. get, I get that. I get that. But how many of <clears throat> us are actually mature enough to own up and say, hey, you know what? In this instance, I am part of the problem. But endeavor to be part of the solution and start taking the steps necessary to become part of the solution. That, you know what? It's probably a small percentage. A lot of people don't have that mindset. They always think that they're right. And that mindset is very tunnel vision. 
Wow. You know, I'm, I'm glad you said that you hit the nail on the head. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to dive into that in a moment, but that's, that's really important. And the reason why, because as we're shifting into another year, we've got to make sure that we start shifting our mindset. When you want to shift your, your position, um, to that of a winner, there's some different things or some different thought patterns that have to take place. You understand when I started thinking about relationships, how many of you guys, uh, caught the other night, that game between uh, Tampa Bay and the Kansas City Chiefs. I did. Yeah. Now, <laughs> for those of you that are sports enthusiasts, think about it. When you watched all of the reporters, you watched everything going. Tampa Bay was considered the underdog. Yes, they should. Because they were being judged on their past performance. Well, they did beat Green Bay in the past, but for some reason, they were just not giving them the credit that they deserve. Everybody was about four or five commentators. All five, I think all four said Green Bay, Green Bay, Green Bay was going to win. Mm -hmm. But then they were also <clears> looking <throat> at these expectations that they were expecting Tam Tampa Bay to live up to, correct? Correct. But then they were looking at versus, um, not Kansas City, it's Tampa Bay. Bay versus Green Bay. Yes. So they were the underdog. But guess what? Didn't they come back and win? Didn't they shift their they mindset never, to that of a winner? They never had a comeback. They always stayed in the, in the lead. Never, never got fell behind. But are you miss? Are you catching my point in I terms of the outside looking in? People were judging them from a certain perspective, from where they were right then. They weren't even thinking about where they could be or where they were going. The same thing in our relationship. Sometimes we tend to judge our spouse or our relationship on where it is right now. Think about where you're going when you experience that mindset shift. That relationship can go to another level. And I know that can be a totally different discussion because a lot of people say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not marrying potential. OK, we understand all of that. But what I want you to understand is when you're looking at your relationship, for those of you that are in a, a serious or committed relationship or or if you're married, just start thinking about different changes or mindset shifts that can take place um, that can actually shift the trajectory of your relationship. You know, when you take your mind away for or your thoughts away from pointing that finger at the other at your spouse and start pointing at yourself, saying, so what can I do to help this situation get better? You know, I guess when we talk about like alphas and in, in, uh, in relationships, the one who's in a dominant or, or they seem to have the upper hand or more control. Those are the ones who typically can only see one way and tunnel vision. Those are the ones that, that think that the other person is always the problem and never can see themselves as part of the issue. Well, I got that, but that's what we're here for. We're here to have shift some mindsets. Now we're going to help put the knowledge out and help them so that they can shift their mindset. Now, if they're unwilling to, you know, Nothing. you know, we're going to pray for them, <laughs> but just be mindful there. You can't, they say my people perish for a lack of knowledge. Well, we're about to give you the knowledge. That you need, if that makes sense. So it just take them to actually implement it. Yeah. So they've got to be willing to implement it. So let's start looking at it. Um, there's a a certain subset of, of uh, habits that couples tend to develop over a period of time, certain patterns, and that can negatively impact their relationship. Because when we're thinking about marriage winning, let's look at some of these behaviors that are causing these marriages not to win and give them some solutions so that they can win, if that makes sense. Yes. Now, I know I'm going to hit a sore spot 
And men, you got to work with me on this, but this is something that's really, really important. Okay. Some of these, one of those patterns or negative behaviors that they tend to fall into um, that tends to pose an issue over time would be just spending all your time before bed watching TV. Now, I'm sure the men are going to sit there. It's football season. It's time for the. Okay, I get that. But you got to be able to set the mood, set the atmosphere in your bed. Your bedroom should pretty much be used for sleeping and sex. What are your thoughts? That's true. But then, you know, sometimes we have to look at men want to watch television. And sometimes we want our wives to watch television with us. But sometimes they are still distracted by playing on their cell phones, social media, interacting with other people. Um, they could be looking at things on their computers. Um, so, you know, that's that's a two-sided thing. It's not always just men watching football. No. Well, I understand that, but that's just an example that I use. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the thing is, though, that do you ever notice that we sometimes get into that habit? It's time to go to bed. You go in the room, you pop on the TV, and the next thing you know, you're going back and forth between looking at your TV, looking at the phone, looking at your TV, looking at your phone until you go to sleep. Is that necessarily giving, allowing you guys the opportunity to connect on a greater level? What are your thoughts? No, it's not an opportunity for them to connect because you always have your attention divided. Mm -hmm. So don't you think it would be good to maybe set some boundaries, you know, so that you can actually be present and, and connect more with one another? Because if not, you start to feel invisible in the room. Is that correct? It's correct. You can set the boundaries, but you must adhere to them. Mm -hmm. So when you say that, it means both ways, right? That's right. Now, you know what? what? Some studies have shown that more couples will spend time together in bed watching TV than having sex or even spending quality time together while they're not mm, distracted. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I guess it depends, you know. That, yeah, I, I think that is a, is the case because a lot of times if you're not going out and about or if you're not in, I guess, the TV watching room, your bedroom is that room. Mm. And it shouldn't necessarily be labeled like that, but it, it ends up being that way. You know what? Oh, gosh, I remember we did a teaching on that a while ago. I, I'm not going to bring that back because we're going to get we'll get way off topic. But let, let's focus on the fact that sometimes. You know, for the listeners out there, just sit there and think, how does it make you feel if you're in or what's your routine like every night before you go to bed? Ooh. And does that routine involve just sitting in front of the TV or just sitting on your phone for hours at a time? You're on one side of the bed. He's on the other side of the bed. You just kind of you glued to your phone and he's glued to TV or vice versa. So how much time does that actually leave you guys to connect with one another? Not very much. So if you really want your relationship to win, what can you do to shift that dynamic? We got to change that dynamic. Do right. something different. So we got the problem is that we're spent, we're prioritizing the television over our relationships. So the solution would be to do what, you know? And are you guys going to agree to turn off the TV or have a period of time where it can be turned off? Yes. Turn no? off all the cell phone and other, uh, Digital we, devices and maybe put on some. Can we deal with TV first? <laughs>
isn't that like, don't you just love men that, you know, you ask them a question and then when they answer, they answer what they want to answer, not the option you gave them, right? Well, you know, it's one thing when they give you uh, a question and there is no option but except their option. Yeah. <laughs> you should know that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But I mean, seriously, what, what would you object to, like, say, hey, after a certain time? You know, why don't we turn off the TV? You can listen to some music, massage each other, you know, kind of focus on each other. So the bedroom feels more like a bedroom and not like a glorified office. Sounds like a plan. Yeah, it decreases stress, improves relaxation, among other things. <laughs> <laughs> See who can snore the loudest. <laughs> You know, <laughs> oh my goodness, you you are something, you are something. But I mean, honestly, that is one of those patterns that that many couples and many wives I've spoken to, many husbands, and they talk about the fact that they've started to feel invisible. They feel like, you know, what, I'm not there. He gets in his zone with his TV. She gets on the zone with her friends, be it like on the phone or on social media. Um, a lot of people now with Clubhouse, so you become engaged in those activities and it's almost like your partner feels left out so it would help you know part of the solution would be to establish some boundaries and you're not trying to teach any before you say i'm not trying to teach and treat anybody like a child that's not it but just recognizing if the relationship is suffering as a result of it or you know or if one partner feels left out then perhaps you can do something like hey maybe we need to put the tv in the TV room, if that game, if it's just a game you have to see, maybe I come out in the family room and watch the game with you, you know, and then just watch a movie in the bed and cuddle and, you know, go to sleep. What are your thoughts? I like that. It, and, you know, I think that there has to be some balance on that. Sometimes you do need to spend some time um, working on some of your uh your business items. Mm -hmm. Maybe we should just make make an agreement mm -hmm. that the bedroom should not be the place that you do business. That it wow. should be in your office or some other part of the house. So your your mentality and your habits should be that when you're in the bedroom, it's either for sleeping or love making. All right, sounds good to me. What about you guys out there? <laughs> bedroom strictly for sleeping and sex. I, I'm good with that. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> or a little snuggling. Yeah, yeah. cuddling and resting. <laughs> Relaxation. All stressful things outside of the bedroom. All right. Got to have a place of peace. Yeah. All right. Well, you know what? That kind of leads me to like one of my second points that um, one another one of these patterns that married couples can tend to fall into is that, you know, you may have heard us talk about this uh, previously about them talking at one another instead of to one another. But in that talking at one another, we are interrupting one another. Mm. I, I know that's not just my household going on. You know, somebody back me up. <laughs> or maybe it's just my household. You know, that's part of communicating. Uh -huh. Sometimes there's two strong opinions and you're trying to get your point across and you're trying to get the other party to see your side of things and then they can only see their side of things. And then even though you're trying to get them to see your side, you can only see your side and not see their side. So there's always going to be some interrupting, but then that's when you have to establish boundaries and you also have to um, establish 
safe words so you don't have the high emotions and low intelligence and that conversation gets out of control. You know, I just love the way how you take my notes and just start talking them all about them. That was not the point I wanted to talk about yet. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I'm just messing Doctor. with you. No, no. But I mean, seriously, though, that can be pose a huge issue when you find yourself in that pattern where you're just automatically interrupting one another. Because whether you know it or not, when you're constantly doing that, it's making your partner feel that they don't matter, that they're not important, that they're not relevant, that what they have to say is just it goes in one ear and out the other. And it ultimately leads to them feeling that they are not loved. So there has to be some acknowledgement because if you're, if you're expressing yourself and the other person doesn't acknowledge it, uh, then he can feel like what you're just saying, that their, their thoughts and their, their side of things doesn't matter. Because if you sit there and even if you just spend one minute and you're explaining something, Another person listens or maybe doesn't listen. And then when you're finished, they just go ahead and make their point. They don't acknowledge that. So I think that will also add to um, not feeling irrelevant when you're trying to talk. Because, just you know, the communication has to have two sides, remember? Mm-hmm. There's the talking and there's the listening. I guess we should probably make it a three side. Talking, listening, and acknowledgement. Mm. Okay. So I think that, well, that will be part of the solution. Then one, just acknowledging what your partner is saying, but being respectful in the manner, because sometimes, you know, how we talk about that jump rope mentality. If you've been with us here on the, on this, on the show at any point in time, you know, we love to talk about that jump rope mentality because it's like for you guys, just follow me for a moment. If you hadn't heard anything about it, just think back when you were a little kid and they had double dutch, you know, I'm telling my age right now. But just think when they're turning those rope and you're on the side, you're just sitting there kind of jumping back and forth. You're getting antsy because you're ready for your turn. You're ready to jump in and take off and just show them what you got. But in the meantime, we we miss some stuff when we have that jump rope mentality because we're so focused on getting in. We're not focused on what's going on around us. And you can it's really important because you can wind up missing some things. So that acknowledgement piece is really important because you're acknowledging what they're saying. And I like to uh, uh, elaborate on that as well. So there's the talking, there's the listening, not just acknowledging, but it should be positive acknowledgement. Because you don't want to be saying something, another person listens, and then they acknowledge it. That's stupid. Well, of course. Well, I understand. You know what, I mean? what I'm saying is acknowledging is more so like well, what dumb. I'm here. Well, what I'm hearing you say is blah blah blah. You're showing that you're listening. You know, I can right. tell you getting frustrated, you know, something like that. It doesn't necessarily have to. Of course, you it's definitely don't. It's a response. To let the other person know that they did hear you. They, yeah. they were listening. But if they listened or they heard and they responded in a negative way, mm-hmm. that's just going to lead that in, that emotion to go up higher. So it's like, OK, I understand what you're saying. This is what you said. I, you know, that's acknowledging what they're saying. And then you say and then they have transition words. Although you feel that way, this is how I feel. Versus saying, that won't make sense. And then that's just going to bring, you know, hostility into play. Well, just think about it. You (laughs) can use different phrases like, 
can I share it to you what I'm thinking? Okay, I hear what you're saying. Different things, yeah. you know, and try to keep it positive. Now, let's be real. Sometimes your partner may say some really off the wall stuff. <laughs> so but you don't Mark have to. Wait a minute. Stupid. Well, yeah, there are other <laughs> words that you can use other than saying that. Because there are those couples out there that may have been like, what the heck? You know, where did that come from? Haven't yeah. I'm let's be real. Haven't you found yourself in a conversation where your partner's talking? You're like, what the heck are you talking about? Mm -hmm. But <laughs> I'm not even gonna ask, I'm gonna just look forward. I'm pretend like I didn't see that look. But um just be mindful, just use wisdom when you're responding. It's not saying that anybody should walk around on eggshells, but what I am saying is just be mindful about your responses because you have to learn to treat them the way you want to be retreated. And the reason why I say that, <clears throat> do you remember when you were first dating? You know, you're so focused on the relationship. You were listening to what they said. You were hanging on their every word. You know, you were like, you know, okay. You just wanted to hear them talk. You just wanted to be in their presence. But then after a while you get to, yeah, mm -hmm, I heard you. Yes, yes, honey, yes, yes, honey, yes, honey. What did you say yes to? Whatever you said, honey. <laughs> No, you know, you're not listening to them or they're talking. You talk to them and they're like, I know, I know, I know, I'll do it. And you're like, wait a minute, you just cut me off. Do you even know what I was getting ready to say? And that can become a source of frustration in a relationship and often lead to like resentment because it's like you're not listening. Sometimes you're correct, but sometimes you're way in left field and it's on top of responding to some, you know, in a way that has nothing to do with what they're talking about. And then you cut them off doing it. It just, that frustration mounts. You go from a level five to a level 10 to 15. You know, next thing you know, you're all the way at 100. And now you're arguing about something completely different. So that's the establishment sense. of one of those bad habits that you were talking about. Yeah. So you just want to make sure, you know, when you're talking to one another, you're talking to one another instead of at one another and then also acknowledging what your partner's saying if you want your relationship to win that's a mindset shift you know i'll be the first to acknowledge that's not that's not always my gift <laughs> that's the area in which i struggle in so how do you break those bad habits because those some of the habits that have been established mm -hmm. uh while that person or that individual has been growing up they may have experience that with their parents or siblings or some relationships that are prior to the current relationship. And then in those conversations, those bad habits were formed there. And so now that seems to be normal. Well, so how do we break that? Well, you know, one of the things you need to be mindful of is the impact that it's having on the relationship. If your partner is telling you that it bothers me when you interrupt me, when you cut me off. I feel like you're not listening. I feel like what I'm saying is not important. That's going to be an issue. And we also have to get to the point is that we can say that to our partner. Cause sometimes you're like, you, you're not, a, not comfortable being vulnerable with them. So what if you have an issue Mm -hmm. where, and we've taught this in speech class, and we've taught, taught this in, in master class for, for speaking, what if the person's tone is too fast or what if it's too uh, slow and the other person just, okay, they're anticipating what you, you're saying because you're speaking at a slower rate 
Or maybe they can't understand because you're speaking too fast. How do you, you know, deal with that? Or maybe they have a, a short attention span. Well, you know what? If you make it clear that I have a short attention span or I don't focus, you know, you and I, we can be transparent about that. You said that as a man, after a certain point, you 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 shut down, you process small amounts in certain periods of time. When I give you a whole paragraph, then I come back and ask you to respond. You're like, you lost me. And then you know? your, your level goes up. And then my and- frustration goes up. So then I have to try to be intentional about you know just giving small bits and pieces we respond to that then give you a little bit more then you respond to that each couple's gonna have to figure out what works well for them and i won't lie it can be frustrating because when i'm on a roll so much and- to say <laughs> are you cutting and you me off get- oh, sorry <laughs> i guess my attention span got a little short there because i was anticipating what you were going to say okay <laughs> so what i'm hearing you say is <laughs> But, you know, I mean, we we laugh about it now, but that used to be a really, really a a source of frustration and anger in the relationship because you felt like you just don't get it. You just do not listen. And what does it cause? My stress level to go up. What does it cause? An elevation in your tone. What does that cause? High emotions, low what? Intelligence. Low intelligence. So recognizing that, hmm, would it be easier for me to just slow my roll a little bit and break it into smaller pieces or have to go through those those what do they call it high-spirited debates is that what they call them yeah you know what since you were mentioning that Mm -hmm. i find and i know talking with you like if it's something that you enjoy doing Mm -hmm. your intention and your interests are high and you tend to spend more time listening and specifically listening for and, um details but if something that is not interesting or, or something that is has a bad uh experience from it and it loses your attention it's hard to focus mm-hmm. it's hard to pay attention well you know what i think honestly if you that's that's just true you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> when you're when there are things that are boring, how many seriously for all of those all of you listeners, think like about when job. you were in school, how many of you like I was not a history buff, but when the teacher kept talking about you know history and then uh, social studies all stuff, I was bored. You started talking about you know English spelling. Oh, I pepped up because that was something I was interested in. But when you start talking about things I had no interest in, I would shut down. I would get sleepy. I started to get fidgety because I was bored. It wasn't of any interest to me. But I had to be intentional about it because, one, I didn't want to issue with the teacher. So then the same thing with your spouse. Sometimes your spouse is going to talk about some stuff that, honestly, it may not necessarily interest you. Let's just be real. You know, we're not going to always find the same things to be interesting. But out of respect for you, I'm going to I'm going to sit and I'm going to listen and I will tell you certain things like I have no clue what you're talking about. You have to explain it to me. Break it down to me like I'm a child. Just think about it. At first, and I'll use myself as an example. I hated football. Watching guys ram and beat each other on the field and getting all dirty and patting each other on the bottom. I'm like, this is crazy. Why do people even want to watch this stuff? 
and he could sit there for hours and hours and just yell and talk about all the positions and they're doing the two by two or four by four or whatever it is those they're onside kick blitz all of that stuff i recognize now but some of it i just simply didn't understand but you took the time to explain it to me now it's more interesting to me you know i recall when we first met um you were so interested in all these <laughs> medical shows yeah, ER, and I was like, nah, I don't want to be. And then you, when you explained to me that you were becoming a medical doctor, then I was like, I would sit down and I start watching the shows, and you got me all into it. So we used to watch all the medical shows. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I I did that. I got intentional because that was something that you enjoyed doing. Mm -hmm. I do recall that. Hmm. Yeah, you're kind of cool. <laughs> you know, you used to let me actually dissect animals at your apartment. Oh, I gosh, that, that cat? Yeah, <laughs> you must have loved me. You let me bring dead animals over to your house to oh, dissect on the gosh. weekends. <laughs> but you know what? I mean, while we said that, that that's actually um, a good a good point there because it makes me think about the fact in relationships you have sometimes people tend to lose themselves. Hmm. Okay. In the relationship, they lose their identity. I've, have you ever thought about this? And I'm speaking to the ladies, Eric. You can speak to the guys, or vice versa. But how many times, or even for you out there, listen, uh, that are mothers, and, and when how many times you've been in a relationship with your husband, you're so accustomed to doing for your husband, you're so accustomed to doing for your kids. So the, and then they, you get that time by yourself. And you're like, well, what do you want to do? And you're like, I don't know. I'm so accustomed to doing taking my kids to practice, doing this for my kids, doing this for my husband, doing it. You don't even think about yourself. This is so true. We do that all the time, actually. And we had to, you know, be intentional on doing some things. Okay, mm -hmm. this is date day and this is date night. Mm -hmm. This is date weekend. We go on to go do some things that are fun, you know, because we're always working or we're always doing stuff for our, our kids. We're always doing something for other family members and we were last on the list. Yeah. <clears throat> so what's your what's your solution for that? We gotta listen to each other, especially when we say, hey look, I'm tired. We've got to go do something, get out this house. You know, we have to make sure that we do it on a regular basis. Because if not, it becomes a bad habit that we just neglect each other. We neglect ourselves mm -hmm. and then we neglect our relationship. Yeah. And then, you know what, one of the things, like you said before, you got to acknowledge it or recognize that your priorities have gotten out of whack in the relationship. You and know? we have to apply this to business, especially when you are in business together, mm -hmm. doing the same business. And then you have family. You got to you got to be intentional with, OK, set boundaries. And that's what we started doing. <clears throat> like when we're doing business, we do it, you know. We make sure we come to the office to do the business and we got to agree unless there's something pressing, we're going to have to stop and shut down at a certain amount of time. Mm -hmm. And then, when, when, like you said, if we go to the bedroom, then that's where we're going to spend some time together. And we got to leave the, the electronic devices out of the bedroom and then phone calls and stuff. Hey, after a certain hour, you know, it, it shuts down, mm -hmm. you know. It's kind of like you go nine to five to an office location. We got to also kind of apply that to our businesses. And 
it's it, I guess it's a little easier when you're in business together um, with the same business versus being in business together, but you have separate businesses. Hmm. You can kind of because you don't you know those business hours may be different, hmm. and you have different focus on separate business. But when you're in business together, you have the same focus, and then that's where you have to apply that boundaries between business, personal life, and family. But then also just be mindful. Um, sometimes we can lose ourselves so much like in the relationship and what we're doing. And, you know, I'm, I have that mommy hat on so long or that wife hat oh so long that or even that pharmacist hat so long yeah. that I <clears throat> forgot to just be Sakisha. And that and that can be a struggle. You know, if you're an entrepreneur, you're so busy being a real estate agent. You're so busy um, being that salesperson. You're so busy being that that top-notch leader in your company that you forget to just be Eric or just be Sakisha. And that can be frustrating because what happens when they're not around? Do you not know who you are and what you want anymore? So just need to make sure. You know how we're always saying there's no I in team, but you do need that I in identity. You need to know who you are as an individual as well as in the relationship. So we encourage couples, you know, don't lose your own identity. It's great to, to find your booth thing and spend quality time together, but it's okay to have that time alone to meditate, to pray, to exercise. Do, you know, what's going to make you feel better, what you enjoy about yourself. So I think that's really, really important. So that should include, like, if you enjoy something that you individually like, like maybe you like to go jogging, mm -hmm. maybe you like to uh, go um walk to Starbucks and grab some Starbucks with a friend on one of your girlfriends or, mm -hmm. you know, or if it's, well, something that you enjoy, a hobby or something you do that you can get away. And it's something that you individually enjoy. Mm -hmm. And that's something that, you know, it's not like you have to, because now you're in the relationship, like you say, lose yourself in your relationship. You forget about some of the things that you personally enjoy. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, if you have to give it up or you feel like the other person is making you give it up, then that then that can develop resentment in that relationship. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, I understand you want to spend quality time together, but you still need to have that me time. And that's something that we encourage the couples, especially in the pandemic. You hear a lot of people saying there are either going to be a lot of babies or a lot of divorces after, pan after the pandemic. But we are, you know, saying, look, you know, you don't have to get a divorce. Create that safe space for yourself within your home, a place where you can go and, you know, if you like to listen to music, if you like to read, it doesn't have to be anything large, just a small space that's all your own where you can just be you. And that will help relieve that stress and tension, you know, that frustration, which kind of leads me to my my next point that I was thinking about. One of these patterns that that couples can tend to fall into is that they expect their partners to be a mind reader. Like, I expect you to know that I need my space. I expect you to know I need certain things. And one of the challenges with that is that everybody has different set of uh, strengths and weaknesses. You know, if you think about it, like as a wife, I'm pretty good at anticipating, oh, he's going to need more deodorant. He's going to need more soap. Oh, I need to wash his clothes. Oh, I need, 
you know, this, this bill needs to be paid. I'm really good at anticipating those things. You are really strong in other areas. <laughs> that might not be your strength as anticipating what needs to be done at the house. You're just like, I know the bills need to be paid. So I know I'm going to work. I know I'm bringing home the check. I know on the 15th and the 30th, these bills need to be going out. But all the other little details that may not be your strength and vice versa. I have different areas like that for me as well. Make sense? Yes, makes sense. <laughs> Ooh, hmm. <laughs> I'll keep going. <laughs> but I mean, what we need to make sure is that we understand when you're in a relationship with someone, it's really unfair to, to make them feel as though they have to, I don't want to say manage your expectations, but they have to anticipate all of your expectations. Let me free somebody for something. If somebody doesn't know something, that does not equate to I don't care. If someone doesn't know something, it doesn't equate to I don't love you. You know what I mean? Some people, you simply just need to, to communicate. You need to express what you expect because your, your partner cannot read your mind. But you know uh, what has a big influence mm -hmm. um, on how your partner responds to you mm -hmm. are the outside influences. It's the pressures of the world. So let's say you're stressed at work mm -hmm. and work is really getting you pulling all your functions mm -hmm. um, to focus on work. Mm -hmm. And then when it comes to your spouse and your relationship, you're so inundated or worried or stressed about that. You really don't, you know, turn that off to focus on doing something with your spouse or even doing something with yourself because you're worried and stressed about work. Mm -hmm. So you have to think of some things that are going to cut off that, that negative vibrations of those stressful, you know, events that happen throughout the day. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, and that's where, you know, we're talking about doing something that you individually enjoy. Mm -hmm. So if you can get back focused, now that may be something like going into a, a, um, a quiet space and putting all those cares and all those burdens onto God. Mm -hmm. So you can clear that out and get into his presence and you have peace. So now when you approach your spouse, you're not, you're not inundated or you're not in a fidgety or frigid mode because you're so stressed. You really, you're not in the mood to receive your spouse. Does that make sense? Yeah, makes sense. Okay. Makes sense. Definitely. So that kind of makes me think about the fact that preparation is key. When you are think when you're in a relationship, you know what you need to get yourself in that space. You know, there's like a lot of people, like a lot of people in the morning, it's prayer, it's affirmation, different things to, to set them on that, you know, in order to get them focused for the day. Now you can't expect your partner to automatically know that's what you do. Communicate that with them. Look, I need this 15, 20, 30 minutes in the morning just to myself so I can pray, so I can focus, I can get organized for the day. Because I can show up as a better version of myself when I do that. Because when I don't, I'm all over the place. Therefore, I'm stressed. I'm frustrated. I'm irritable. Um, I'm less patient. And 
then you know your partner is expecting you to be like hey you know normally you respond to me like this you know well i got to be able to communicate that to you that you know hey this is what i need you know, for for my day to go right understanding that things are going to happen i get it i get that you know but you have to be mindful that your spouse is not a mind reader and that just simply because he or she doesn't know something that doesn't equate to i don't care we don't want to allow those assumptions to drive a wedge between the two of you as a couple so what's your solution hmm? try this open up your mouth and ask for what you need well sometimes what you need is not always what you want <laughs> so you don't <laughs> It's not on the forefront of your mind, you know? I got it. But the thing is that I understand in this society, a lot of people are independent, they're focused, but it's okay to need something from your spouse. But it's even more, it's okay to open up and be vulnerable and say, I need this from you. You're not going to necessarily be a mind reader. If you're, say your love language is physical touch, you may just need a hug. My, if my love language is not physical touch, that may not be on my for, the forefront of my mind. I might give you some words of affirmation or acts of service. And you're like, that's not what I need right now. And then you're angry. Well, that's not my love language. Therefore, that's not the way I think. But if you're telling me, hey, I need physical touch on a regular basis, that's going to be in the forefront of my mind. Does that make sense? Yes. But like with your love language, it requires work because you want a clean house. <laughs> you want things organized. You don't want a lot of clutter. Uh, you want to be able to walk in and everything is in place, <laughs> line from A to Z, the but way you want it. Doesn't. <laughs> Seriously, how many women out there want to come home to a nasty house? You want to come home to socks everywhere, batteries everywhere. It has place. to be your, in mm -hmm. your mind, how you have organization um, in your mind. Yeah. And if it's any way, like if I want to do uh sorting from z to a mm -mm. that doesn't work for you it has to be from a to z for you okay. or it has to be from tall to short and i may want short to tall well then that's when you have that conversation <clears throat> to explain why you want it that way <laughs> <laughs> you know what which kind of leads me to my next point is you know one of those patterns that they fall into is they're obsessed with being right <laughs> oh cool. so that's so funny i just really I, I thought about that was literally my next point you know mm -hmm. but it takes me back to a point where we are in marriage ministry and one of the marriage ministry leaders told me she said do you want to be happy or do you want to be right and that's hard i know because you want to be right <laughs> okay let's let's try this again do you want to be happy or do you want to be right <laughs> I think we're about to have a temporary glitch in the system. <laughs> Ignore any of the sounds you may hear. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm being, I'm being serious, but just if everybody, if both partners are so focused on being right, are you ever really going to be happy? Because somebody's eventually going to be wrong. Someone's going to be disappointed. This is correct. <clears throat> so what would your solution be? For that, uh huh. I okay, you maybe to take say. turns on being right. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? And you know what I heard? <clears throat> I saw this. Maybe I read this somewhere. It said, "Focus on tackling the problem and not each other." Well, what if the problem is that one person always wants to be right? 
and they want always their side. They always want to go from A to Z instead of Z to A. You have just got to be that person. <laughs> <laughs> that's the real. Him. That's the real side of things. That's the real side of being in a in a couple uh, couplepreneur or also a relationship because yeah. you have two different sides, two different perspectives, two habits that are separate. You know, and uh, <laughs> you have the square peg trying to get into a, a rectangle peg. Yes, professor. <laughs> no, I'm just messing with you. But seriously, you know, like this one solution could be, like you said, just, you know, take your time. Take times. Because understanding that when you focus so much on being right, you win the battle but lose your marriage in the process. Not like it's okay to not be right. It's okay to want to be right, but you got to figure out what's more important. Is it something that's detrimental? Is this something that's going to, you know, and hurt the family? So is it an excuse to call a person an alpha person, like an alpha female or alpha male? Because that person, an alpha person is always wanting to be right. They want to be the dominant. They always want to be in control. That can be their personality. Some people do have that personality. Yeah. And you know what? It is what it is. But they have to learn how to deal with each other. Meaning you don't want someone feeling like they're a doormat. You know, focus more like I think it's important to focus on what your partner is saying and understanding and trying to put yourself in their shoes. Because there are sometimes I'll be honest with you. Sometimes it's just like I just don't get it where he's coming from. I don't get it, but I am going to listen to hear you out. I am going to try. There's sometimes where I just throw my hands up, be like, look, okay, let's just keep going. Cause I don't get it. But you know, it's not that much to really keep fussing over. And there are going to be some things that, you know, that just ticked me off. But if you think about it, let me ask you this. And for those of you out there listening, have you found yourselves in a situation where think about when we first got married, we, I'm using us for an example, because, you know, we're our easiest example, right? Mm-hmm. When I, we first got married, we lived in two separate cities. And you would do some stuff that ticked me off, some stuff that that was downright inconsiderate, right? But did I dwell on being right? Or did I say, hey, look, I'm only here from Friday to Sunday. You did this. It hurt and offended me. Don't do that again. And then you said, well, you, right, babe, I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. You're right. I'll try not to do that again. And then we went on about our day because we only had a limited amount of time together. Now, fast forward 20 some more plus years later, you've married for a period of time. Then why are we going back and forth? No, I got to be right. No, I got to be right. What's going on with the attitude? Could we not? Now, I understand. Now, I'm, I'm realistic. I have common sense. I do know that there's some Times you're just definitely you're going to disagree. But okay. does it have to drag on for days and days and days? <laughs> Can you not come to a solution? Well, <clears throat> yeah, it's going to take some compromising on both sides. Mm. So rather than saying, you know, if you're trying to split five and half, and there's two point five and two point five, but one person wants three and the other one and you want to give the other person two, that's not compromise. So you do have to do 2.5, 2.5 to make it even so that both sides can get their point uh, or get what they want in that in that target dis- uh, decision. You agree uh, or disagree? Sure. 
<laughs> well, that's the compromising. Because if, if you say that it's three, you want three, and I'm going to be left with two. I feel like I'm being slighted because now you got one more than me. But you know what? Equal five. But, but just think about it like this. If the two of you are on the same team, if you have two and I have three, what's mine is yours, what's yours is mine. So if I have three, you have three. If you have two, I have two. You understand? So I'm like, kind of, let's so, go back and forth about it. If I say I want to eat at Wendy's and you don't, then, and you have no alternative to where to eat, where do we go with that? Wendy's is not healthy. So in your mind, in your perspective, you, you don't want to eat anything healthy. But in my mind, I mean, you don't want to eat anything that is not healthy. But in my mind, I'm looking at the taste of what I may be craving. And sometimes it's going to satisfy my craving. It may not be uh, healthy. And then in the long run, after I eat Wendy's and I've had a hamburger, french fries and, and, and a cherry Coke, then I'm feeling sick because I ate all that crap and then you're going to come back and say, see, I told you so. <laughs> I don't tell you so. I told you so. I get you some tums through your stomach and I say, well, maybe next time we just won't go to Wendy's anymore. And every time you mention Wendy's, I just keep driving. <laughs> <laughs> because you think about the impact that it had on you before. And I remind you, well, what did the doctor say? X, Y, Z. And it's not that I'm trying to be right. It's I'm thinking about your health. So be mindful, got listeners, when you're thinking about that, sometimes your partner sharing things with them and it's not an attempt to be right. It's because they care about you because it's like, this is your health. I mean, you're a grown man. If you want to go and eat the Wendy's and the French fries and the hamburgers and all kinds of stuff. Okay. You're perfectly well within your right to do so. As your wife, I'm going to say, you know, the last time we went to the doctor, the doctor said X, Y, Z, you know, these are your health goals. So it's up to you if you want it. I don't suggest it, but it's up to you. So that's a destructive habit. That's mm -hmm. part of what we're talking about. How do we overcome or how do we deter that destructive habit? What? Eating things that are unhealthy or doing right. things that are unhealthy? That's right. Just be mindful. Think about the bigger picture. Think about the long-term effects. That's just like always wanting to win an argument. Think about the long-term effects. If I'm always wanting to be right and not listening to my spouse, then he gets frustrated with the situation and eventually it causes division within the relationship. So you have to learn some give and take. And that's one of those things where it's like you have to decide which arguments require response and which ones don't. Because we're at the point in our relationship now where sometimes it's just like I could respond and say stuff. And sometimes I'm like, mm -mm. OK. And I just shrug my shoulders and keep moving because it's like it's not even worth getting frustrated over or causing the stress and division in the relationship. It's like, just, just let it go. Okay. That's how you feel. I got it. I got it. I got it. No problem. And it's not that I'm not listening. I heard you, but I'm just saying all of what can result out of that argument, that intense fellowship, you know, it, it's not worth it. I'd rather spend the time doing something else, spending some more time with you. Make sense. Makes sense. <clears throat> all right. But I know in the last little little bit of time, I do want to close it out with the last point and just just talk about the fact that um, another one of these behaviors that um, couples tend to exhibit is just what I just avoidance. There are different there are conversations, certain vulnerabilities that we avoid having because you don't want those intense fellowships. You don't want those big blow ups. But in the meantime, it's like you're taking it 
that dust and sweeping it under the rug, sweeping it under the rug. And what happens when that grow? when you keep, I guess I just said it, when you keep sweeping <laughs> it under the rug, what yep. happens? It manifests itself. From, it was gone from being like a little molehill to a huge mountain or even a brick wall because it causes some division in between the relationship. So you have to make sure that we start dealing with these uncomfortable situations or conversations early on in the relationship such that over a period of time, it's a lot easier to have the more difficult conversations. What are your thoughts? Yes. Uh, stop sweeping things on the road. So you have to deal with, you know, situations at hand. Sometimes you may be able to table the discussion at a more opportune time mm -hmm. when, as we speak about all the time, when emotions are a little uh, less intensive. Mm -hmm. um, so therefore, you know, it's a little easier going on each other. So when you when you start to approach the subject that causes the heightened uh, emotions, um, that you can come up with alternative ways of getting your point across, which, mm -hmm. you know, we go into what we call the um, conflict resolution, the non-verbal conflict resolution. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, you know what? That's really, really important because the, as you get older, I think in many instances, you become more mature in how you respond to things. But the fact is being able to navigate your situation such you're able to do that, to grow old together, such that you're able I mean, if you look at who we are now, we're drastically different from who we were at one year of marriage, at five years of marriage, at 10 years of marriage, 15 years of marriage. We're constantly evolving, but I think that we're learning even more how to, they call it fighting fair, but we learn how to listen. Because remember, part of the communication is listening as well as talking. It's a two-way street. Yeah, listening mm -hmm. attentively. So just making sure that, we do that and just stop. We don't avoid those conversations because I know before there were certain conversations I didn't want to have with you because I knew it was going to be like, you know, it's like touching one of those sore spots. You know, you don't want to rip that Band-Aid off because it's going to take longer to heal once that's exposed. But now we're kind of like. We need to talk about such and such, you know, and then we but we're mindful of our timing, you know, when the right when your spouse is getting off from work. That's not the best time when they're frustrated, you know, when they're hungry and irritable. That's not the time. As, you, as time grows on, some people develop more wisdom and some people honestly don't. But if you want your marriage to win, you want your relationship to win, you have to be mindful, you know, as far as timing and being strategic and being able to be vulnerable. So I know that we are about coming to a close for this segment, but I did want to do just a quick reminder, just reminding couples about some of these patterns that you can fall into. And when, if you want your marriage to win, try to avoid some of these patterns, just making sure that you're, you're establishing boundaries. You know, I know you want to spend time in the bed you want to watch TV, but just make sure that the TV does not become a priority over your marriage. The second one is just making sure that you're not constantly interrupting one another, that you're not talking at one another instead of to one another. Um, the third one is just making sure that we understand that it's okay. Well, actually it's not okay to lose your own, lose your identity within the relationship. You know, make sure that you, you're not a, a mind reader, that you understand that your parent, your, if just because your partner doesn't know something, it doesn't mean I don't care. 
The last one is just making sure that you're not over over obsessed with being right because you can win the battle and lose your marriage in the process. And last but not least, don't avoid those necessary conversations and be open to being vulnerable with your spouse. I mean, this has been a phenomenal time for me. I always love doing these segments with you because... You You never know what's going to come out of my mouth. Absolutely not, (laughs) y'all. I seriously do not know. I think I should. I wish we could do like a video one time so you could see my facial expressions because I'm like, you said what? But But, see, the thing is, is that that's what makes it more real because a lot of times we're going to, well, really the majority of the time, (laughs) we're not going to go off what we've researched. We're going to go off what we experience. So you're talking, you know, here we've been together coming up. Well, it's been 27 years together. And, you know, we're coming up on 23 years of marriage. Mm-hmm. We've experienced the good, the bad, the, the pretty, the ugly, the rich, the poor, the sickness, and in health. And so, you know, we're to the point now where as the you know time comes um, and the time goes, um, we don't, we can, we can, we've experienced getting complacent. We've experienced getting excited. We've experienced getting bored. We've experienced all the different emotions we have gone through, but we've learned, Yeah, we've overcome those uh, life, what life throws at you. And also what the family throws at you. <laughs> so let's just remember this. When you're thinking about your relationship, think of it this way. Am I part of the problem or part of the solution? If you find yourself that you are part of the problem, guess what? We just gave you some tips on how to become the solution because change is everything. Remember, transformation is a process. You know, women, we don't go from a size 16 to a size two overnight. Right. It, it's a process. And the same thing for men. You don't become bodybuilders and stuff overnight. It's a process. And part of the solution is in our brand new book called Struggling to Keep the Vows. If you find yourself part of the problem, you need to go ahead and get a copy of this book so you can now find the solution. Being part of the problem, not doing anything about it, it's not good. Yeah. Get off the hamster wheel. Stop doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. It's time to try something different. Be equipped with the information you need to move forward. So go to marriagescanwin.com. You can get your book there and you get a signed copy of the book. Also purchase the workbook because this is going to give you the quizzes, the assessments. This is going to help you. Um, along with the book to overcome being the problem. And sometimes we don't want to admit being a problem. Sometimes we know our spouse is the problem. So maybe we need to buy those resources and say, honey, you know, maybe we ought to take a look at this together. You see, now, of course, we're always busy in our day-to-day operations, right? Running the family, running our businesses. So maybe we just need to download Struggling to Keep the Vows audio book. So while we're working, while we're even exercising, while we're making dinner, while we're working on our business make, and making all that money, we can listen to Struggling to Keep the Vows because you're getting the resources, you're getting the tools, the strategies. You're learning about the past experiences so you won't produce the future experiences that are going to cause division and you being the problem. So now, remember that you can always connect with us all over social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and also YouTube. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Marriage Can Win. And then also subscribe to our podcast, 
anywhere. Just Google Marriage Can Win Show and you can subscribe. Just remember, you can be the change that you want to see in your relationship. Until next time. We want to thank all of our listeners for joining us on today's show. Let's keep the conversation going. You can connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter under Marriage Can Win. You can also visit us at marriagescanwin.com. Remember, you can be the change you want to see in your relationship. Until next time.